Welcome back to another episode of Toyota Untold. This is Kelsey and Tyler will be with us shortly. So in this episode, we get to Monday morning quarterback Toyota's ad from that super big game that comes once a year around this time. On average, approximately like or over 100 million viewers see the commercials created for this major sporting event. So it's obviously a really big deal for brands. We know that there are those people who watch the game solely for the ads. If, if that's you, hello. And depending on your team, you may find the ads a welcome break from the scoreboard. But fans of every team and sport really can root for their favorite ad spot. So today we're going to talk to our own key players that are key in preparations for our super fun superhero super spot. And if you saw it, you get, you get where I'm going there. On deck to break it down for us are Mia Phillips, Senior Manager of Lexus Advertising and Media. And until recently, she was the Senior Manager of CUV Crossover Vehicles for Toyota Marketing. We'll also talk to John Payne, who's the Executive Creative Director for Saatchi & Saatchi, our ad agency of record, who produced the spot. And finally, we're going to hear from our part-time correspondent, Dan Need, who works in Toyota Internal Communications. He was on the set for the ad as they filmed. Note before we get started, hopefully this isn't too um, obstructive to your listening, but we can't actually say the name of the football game that grabs viewers' attention every year. I don't know if you knew this, but you're really you're not allowed to say the name of it. So you're going to hear us refer to it generically. So the clock's about to begin. Let's kick it off with Mia Phillips. We have with us today, Mia Phillips. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at Toyota slash Lexus and then also your involvement in ads as a whole? Yeah. So currently, I am the senior manager of Lexus Advertising and Media. Mm-hmm. I've been in the role 40 days. <laughs> yeah. um, and previous to that, I was at uh, Toyota and on the marketing side Uh, the senior manager of crossover utility vehicles for the vehicle marketing and communications team. So the jobs are very similar. I would say where the Lexus job starts is a little bit different than where the Toyota job starts and ends. Mm -hmm. So Lexus, I I do have responsibility for media, which I did not have on the Toyota side. There was a separate media manager. We are responsible for advertising and not necessarily the product marketing strategy, which uh, on the Toyota side, I was responsible for the advertising and And the product marketing strategy. Gotcha. So on both ends of your job, just advertising in general falls into your responsibility. Yes. Yes. On both sides of the house. Yes. And so in your role at Toyota, when it came to the game, I think it's important for customers to know, how do we pick which car is featured in any of our ads? So I have had the great fortune over the course of the last three years to be involved in three of Toyota's ads. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first ad was actually in a year where we were not launching any new products. So we didn't have any brand new product reveal, any full model changes Mm -hmm. or major model changes that we were announcing. In that case, A lot of times, if we are to move forward, we'll focus on attributes of the brand that we want consumers to know more about. And so that particular year, we focused on the brand and we had a brand ad which featured the Toyota Tundra. And in 
to a lesser extent, some other Toyotas that were in the background, but mostly the Toyota Tundra. And also that year we ran Olympics work really as a test to Mm -hmm. get ready for the upcoming Olympics and just understand how we were impacting the marketplace. In the years where we're actually launching a vehicle, so a wintertime launch, which was the case last year with RAV4, Mm -hmm. we will actually focus on that vehicle for the launch. Last year was a little bit different because although we had RAV4 that was technically already on sale from December the previous year, we also had Supra that was coming up in the summer. And obviously, Supra is a halo vehicle. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the world wants to know when Toyota was coming back with Supra. And so we had the great fortune from a media perspective of another brand dropping out at the last minute and there being a spot opened up. And so while we had anticipated and created specifically for RAV4 to run, we had another opportunity and had a Supra ad that we were preparing for Daytona, actually. Okay. That we moved forward and put in that second slot that became available. Now, I doubt that it just became available and they let you have it, right? Like, you know, you have to pay for it. We have to pay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That would be nice. Right? No, we did have to pay. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, when it comes to advertising, the giant game where they play football is the mecca of, of advertising in the United States, right? I mean, and across the world. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's it's the only time, it's not the only time, obviously, that someone sees a commercial, mm-hmm. but it's the one time where people are actually watching for commercials. Right. It's- so then, obviously, it's quite an expensive spot, but there has to, and the viewership is is insane. I mean, it's, you said 111 million people. Yes. So how do we determine how many spots we want to have and how long they are? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do measure. There are different types of measurement. I'll give you an example. So last year with RAV4, typically what we have used in the past as one of the KPIs is USA's Today, USA Today's ad meter. Okay. So ad meter allows consumers to go on up to, I think it's 24 hours before, and rank and rate all of the ads that are going to be run. And so you really get a really good feel for how your ad is comparing in terms of popularity Mm -hmm. with uh, the rest of the ads. That is typically one of our metrics. With last year's ad, we were touting hybrid technology, which wasn't at an all-time high in popularity. A lot of misconceptions around hybrids and what they bring to the table. Uh, We were focusing on a female, an African-American female football player, which isn't necessarily something you hear about every day. And so we questioned whether AdMeter was going to give us the right read on whether or not we were reaching consumers. So we looked at other reads. Uh, Some of those reads were um, other metrics that we have other research companies mm-hmm. that we leverage to tell us how what our voice share of voices how frequently people are talking about our ads and is yeah. that sentiment negative or positive and in addition to ad meter which actually Tony was the name of the RAV4 spot showed mm-hmm. up in the top 20 as did Supra's spot yeah. um, showed up in the top 20 but when you started to look at other metrics and how many people 
visited the Toyota.com site yeah. and looked up RAV4 or Supra afterwards. Mm-hmm. We by far, as a manufacturer with both Tony and uh, the Pinball Spot, mm-hmm. which was the Supra ad, had more visits to our website. Our, our website visits spiked that yeah. day. How do we... I mean, we would have never known that the reach would have gone as far as it did, right? We we knew that it had a, there was a powerful story there and it, there was a connection with the brand. But I mean, is it just luck? Like, how do you know which person to pick or or which storyline to follow, which creative element to to select in order to get that ROI? Yeah, that, you know, it's really interesting. And I, I give all kudos and credit to our agency partners mm-hmm. who work on the creative for these ads. And so when we... Uh, sat down with our agency partners and talked about really the mood and the manner that we were looking to bring to life on the screen. We had an objective. Uh, Ed Laukas, our chief marketing officer for Toyota, laid out a really clear objective. He wanted something on screen that was going to make the dealers and the folks who work for Toyota proud of working for Toyota. And At the same time, he wanted to get across the message that we are a new Toyota, an innovative, exciting Toyota, and something that consumers could emotionally connect to. Mm -hmm. The agencies came back to the table and told us that the year prior, I think, was all kind of crier ads where everybody wanted to cry. And they couldn't really tell whether it was going to lean really heavily funny because some years lean very Ugh. heavily that all of the commercials yeah. are trying to be funny. I'm like, how do you know? Like, how do the agencies figure out whether it's a funny year? I mean, you really have to consider all things that are going on in popular culture and in politics and everything because you can miss something and fall really flat if yeah. you're not aware of what's relevant. We, You know what? We, we looked... I think, again, what you nailed is that our agencies do a great job in Mm -hmm. researching beforehand what's happening in popular culture, what's happening uh, socioeconomically, what is happening in terms of everything that's going on in America. And I think that at that time, most of the ads that we saw Mm -hmm. were in the charming area. I think that you know, given some of what was happening politically and socioeconomically, it didn't make sense for us to come in with a super serious message. But the message itself was serious. Yeah. And it, that one team message, really, it was a divisive time, I think, yeah. as, was, as many of the times are these days. You can't pick just one. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that there, were some device, there was some divisiveness happening, yeah. happening at the time. And to say that we are all on one team, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time, you know, our other ad was on the Olympics and Team right. America. It just it yeah. worked out beautifully. And so it, it's, it, it is really tapping into what is currently happening mm-hmm. in America. So do you think from a brand perspective, Toyota, Lexus, any of them, they use when they want to launch a new rebrand or a new platform, like for us, telling the world that we're a mobility company, we decided to do that at the game. So do you think a lot of companies take that opportunity to use that platform to kind of reintroduce themselves? I think that it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It depends on what, you know, at the end of the day, what you're trying to accomplish uh, within, within, I would say, that 
60, 90 day period leading up. And that includes the lead up time. You're not at any other time in the year going to have 111 million people watching at the same time. Right. So there is really only one opportunity to get a mass message out. And you hope that it has enough resonance with the people that are watching that the conversations can continue Mm -hmm. after Uh, the ad has run. The idea is a lot of times that you will leverage that ad and run it in usually a 30-second format if you're one of the larger brands that have a 60-second buy um, throughout the remainder of the year. Okay. And so that conversation can continue. So for in the case of Tony, initially we were not planning to run it as a 30-second ad, but mm-hmm. because it did catch fire like right. it did, we ended up making a cut down to 30 seconds. And it's still running, actually. If you watch Sunday night or Thursday night football, oh, you'll see that. Tony every now and then, and it's still driving incredible metrics for yeah. us. So nice. it does give a brand an opportunity that if you don't have the funds to do it at any other time, Now's you time. can get 111 million people right in yeah. one swath. My biggest fear, I guess, would be as an advertiser is that 111 million people, but 111 different opinions. So, you know, how are you, you know, with, even if you had the best of intentions to take a stand on something, there's there's always going to be some portion that is doesn't agree. Yeah, it's it's a big opportunity, but it's also a huge risk. It is. I think it is. You're absolutely right. And and that's why, well, and I'm sure no one goes into it lightly because as we <laughs> talked about, it's cost prohibitive. <laughs> so you don't go into that opportunity lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and we actually work very closely with um, our friends over in the Consumer Insights Group. Yeah. Shout out to John Carletta and team. <laughs> um, we work very closely with them to test before it ever even hits television to understand whether or not people are understanding our message, if it's rubbing them the wrong way. And you'd be amazed at what little things make a difference like music. Music can make a huge difference in whether someone perceives an ad positively or negatively, gets Mm -hmm. motivated and inspired or brought down by it. Um, So we do testing uh, Mm -hmm. with, with music. We do testing with alternative endings. We do a lot of testing to understand how, what kind of impact our our ad is going to have. And that's why I would say for the most part, you'll see that Toyota and Lexus hit the mark with mm-hmm. their ads. So when you test, do you test with people of all, like all ages, all demographics, all nationalities, or do you think about the ad and say you're picking a car and you're really trying to hit a demographic with this car? Do you focus on the feedback from that that group? Yeah, so that's a great question. With RAV4, for example, because it was hybrid technology, Mm -hmm. we had a boost of hybrid intenders that we tested in addition to testing everyone. So Mm -hmm. typically you are testing across the gap for uh, gender and age. We try to get 50-50 male, uh, female. We try to get an uh, age distribution. We Mm -hmm. try to make sure that all ethnic groups uh, are covered in that. And so we do get a certain number of sample from each one of the ethnic groups to make sure that we have a valid sample. In addition, if it is a special vehicle, like Mm -hmm. a hybrid vehicle, we'll also test hybrid intenders versus non-intenders to see if our message is resonating with those who probably wouldn't even have been considering a hybrid, which in this case, we absolutely had to do. That was one of the goals. For sure. 
Another question that we had that I think might be fun if you can talk about it are ideas that didn't make it. So I think we love talking. We talked to so many people about how, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but when we were introducing the Sienna, there was like a swagger wagon ad Mm -hmm. that people really liked. But there's got to be funny or charming or just ads that were great ideas, but just didn't make the cut. Can you think of any that would be like relevant to talk about? Yeah. So I'll talk about last year's um, with with RAV4. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of spots that actually rose to the top at the end. There were three. There was Tony. Mm-hmm. There was another spot that was going to be filmed in Chicago. Actually, it was going to be filmed in New York, but it was a Chicago versus New York uh, oh. theme. And it was called Fork or Fold around how <laughs> oh, you like pizza. your pizza. Um, oh, nice. And using the RAV4 hybrid to really kind of indicate speed, but also indicate distance Uh in in that case. Um, And we were talking about having celebrity sightings. Uh, We had a spot for Chris's. So a lot of people always get the Chris, the the actors confused. There's Chris, the one that is... Oh, right. Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... um, Wait, that's it. That's Liam, yeah. Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yes. That's it. Um, so it was going to be those three Chris's, and then we were going to try to see if we could throw in a Chris Rock right now, <laughs> like the four Chris's, and do something. But at the end of the day, we really thought that's going. Th- those people are going to way overshine Rav yeah. Four, and so we let go of that spot early. But we held on to the fork or fold where we thought we might be able to have it. Mm-hmm. We could still use Chris. I don't know why we were on Chris Rock last year. We, we were on this Chris Rock thing. We're like we can use him yeah. for the New York versus Chicago oh, pizza. Yeah. And then the last one had no celebrities. Um, it was really around uniting folks again. So mm-hmm. it was similar to one team in. But but it was more using average folks, police officers and firefighters and and kind of taking a stand on our vehicle is really made for everyone and kind of showing it going across the U.S. uh, with people getting in and out of the car. It's interesting because Uber ended up pulling off something like that Ah. for their revived brand work. Um, And we talked about, well, let's not make it like an Uber. This has to be specific around RAV. And I think at the end of the day, and a lot of people were leaning towards that. They liked the feel of that. And Uh it was going to be one of those more emotional, heart-stringy with the voiceover that we were looking to use type of ads. But the Tony ad came up and it just the the imagery of her and and being so small but powerful mm-hmm. and and fighting odds and our hybrid again being small right. but powerful and fighting odds just that just that tension just worked yeah. and so at the end of the day we went with that one mm-hmm. and not the other and and I'm glad that we I think everybody would say that we're glad that we went that yeah. direction well it sounds like you have one of the most fun jobs at Toyota and Lexus so thank you so much for joining us today thank you I've had a great time and now we'll find out what it was like on the set of our ad our colleague Dan Need who, like I said, is from Internal Communications and he goes out and is sometimes our part-time correspondent, got to visit the set and witness several of the scenes as they were filmed. He also got to hang out with the star of our spot, Kobe Smolders, aka Robin Sparkles. This is Kelsey. And today on Toyota Untold, we are with our dear friend and 
part-time correspondent, Dan Need from Corporate Communications. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so Dan, we're going to get your perspective. Dan had the opportunity to sit in on the filming of our ad that was featured yesterday during the giant game where they play football and J-Lo was at the halftime show. Yeah, I um, I got to sit in on parts of it with Toyota Marketing and with Sachi and Sachi a little bit because of this other project that we're working on. And it was really interesting, really eye-opening, especially someone who's kind of consumed that kind of media commercials from this game for, yeah. forever. Yeah, and I think that the commercials from this game specifically are really elusive to people because um, obviously there's a lot of money that goes into the advertising and therefore the creative process begins. I think Mia Phillips said it was like six months, eight months prior. So you got to view kind of the end where they're they're filming the final um, creative idea that they've picked, the one that they've selected. Can you tell us like where you were and what just like set the scene? Tell us like what it looked like. Sure. So where we started was actually kind of in the middle of the process where Sachi and Sachi were coming up with ideas and they're trying to figure out what this ad was going to be. And they mm-hmm. had a lot of ideas that they threw around that sounded really good to me. Um, where they settled was with what we saw yesterday with Kobe Smulders and uh, kind of being the hero and going around picking up all these different characters. And they were, you know, our marketing department was generous enough to allow us on the commercial set. Uh which they filmed all around Los Angeles. We were there for two nights. They were very long. Yeah. Uh, the first one was in Simi Valley in the mountains. Okay. Um, which is <clears throat> kind of in Ventura County, about an hour outside of LA. And uh, you think it's going to be in Los Angeles and so right. Southern California. So I think it's going to be nice and uh, at least tolerable weather-wise. But it was windy and cold and hmm. po- one of the most miserable uh, experiences I've had as far as weather goes. Fun. But, and then the next night we were in downtown LA. What I was really kind of shocked by was how it was a big production, yeah. but in a very small, uh, concentrated area. So I think from what we saw from our time in Simi Valley, which was, I believe, the alien scene that uh, was in the commercial, everything was kind of concentrated in this like maybe 30 square foot area huh. where the car was there, Kobe was there. The crew was all around. The other actors were in the car, and they had this giant light that almost looked like a UFO that was um, that was on top of them. Now it's pitch dark outside. You're in the mountains. There's no lights. So, so you're outside. Yeah, you're outside, and the wind's blowing, and it's going crazy. And it was just kind of this kind of surreal experience just to see it. It really looked like something where a spaceship could have been landing <laughs> in the set. The next night, uh, they moved to L.A., which was much more tolerable as far as weather goes. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how they were going to shoot this in downtown L.A. Call time was 6 p.m. So we show up, and it's basically in this parking lot that apparently we've rented out. Oh, okay. And against one wall is the shoot. It's, again, a very small area uh-huh. where they're shooting. And then the rest of this parking lot is trailers and everything coming in. And, again, all these people gathered around. It's one thing. It was hard to kind of tell what was going on sometimes. Yeah. The director is a guy named Tim Bullock who did a wonderful job on this commercial. Mm-hmm. And he would kind of, you know, he would do what you think a director does. He just stands there, watches, and calls action, calls cut. And uh, right next to him was John Payne. Who yeah. Was Sachi and Sachi's creative director who uh, had a very hands-on role in creating this. 
So you said that it's in this like really small space, but like is the is the car moving? Yeah. Like, are they making it look like it moves? So the car moves. Okay. Um, but what we saw, the main things that we saw those two nights, we didn't see the car move until around 11 p.m. on Monday night, which was the final night of shooting. They shut down a street in, uh-huh. Los, in downtown Los Angeles yeah. to get rain scenes. So they had like a rain, basically what is, is a giant sprinkler. I was so, gonna say, yeah, yeah, it wasn't raining. I'm sure it was definitely not raining, but it was like it was a rain machine that really okay. kind of created a downpour. And so the car moved through that area. So stopped in front of the theater to pick up uh, her quote unquote son, yeah, and kind of moved on. It was really intriguing. It was like being on a movie set, exactly right. what you would think, but it was equal parts exhilarating, intriguing, and boring. Okay, so then. From your work on the Highlander project and kind of watching this car evolve from, you know, concept all the way to the line off and through this ad, how big of a deal do you think this ad is in how it contributes to the whole marketing campaign for the car? So that's one thing that we talked about early on was because sometimes, yeah, every new car has its ad campaign. Sometimes you get lucky and it falls during the right time, right? You remember last year, they had, it was RAV4 was our big hero yeah. vehicle. And the RAV4 campaign and the RAV4 commercial had nothing to do with each other. So we were, we were asking the questions, is this going to be part of the campaign? Uh, it turns out this is the launch of the campaign. Mm-hmm. And the campaign is uh, Go Highlander. That's the tagline. That ad is the launch, is so, the start of the, the Highlander ad. Yeah. So what you saw yesterday uh, was the first Go Highlander commercial. And I know that uh, it was developed by Sachi and Sachi, but I know that Toyota's other ad agencies, which is Intertrend, yeah. and Keneal, all have their versions of a Go Highlander ad mm-hmm. for their market. So it was a big deal, and especially yeah. with the size of what Highlander is in that segment, because mm-hmm. that is one maybe the most competitive segments in the automotive industry, mm-hmm. especially with Ford getting rid of all of their sedans. Yeah, they're putting more money into things into the Explorer. Right. So, so we got to compete. Yeah, and Highlander, as we all know, is number one in that segment. Two hundred fifty thousand right. sales a year. Yeah. So this is a, actually really high stakes game Mm -hmm. to try to stay at the top of that segment. Yeah. And the Go Highlander campaign is a huge part of that. Right. So it's kind of like how it meshes. You have the product. The new Highlander is amazing, but you have to have the campaign to kind of tell people that. Right. You got to have to sell it in order to get people to go to dealers and try it out. As a... I mean, I'm I'm saying this because I know you and maybe... Mm -hmm. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but as a major consumer of ads... Right. (laughs) Sure. Avid sports watcher. Absolutely. Yeah. So aka major consumer of ads. How yes. do you think that this ad compares to other ads, maybe not from yesterday, but just from history and then previous Toyota ads? That's a good question. I felt like this ad fit within what the commercial landscape is mm-hmm. and what it has been in recent history. I feel okay. like it had an appropriate amount of grandeur. I feel like it had uh, the kind of spot, it shed the kind of spotlight on the Highlander that we want. Um, and I feel like it's told a good story that's going to resonate with people who may buy that car. 
as far as where it fits in with Toyota's that I think we we're kind of on a hot streak as far as it did pretty well. Yeah. I mean, last year you think we had the uh, Tony Harris ad for the RAV4 that got a lot that really inspired a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We also had the surprise super ad with the pinball wizard, which was really cool ad to have. Um, and then the year before we had the Start Your Impossible, which mm-hmm. I think, like honestly, I think it topped the charts yeah. that year because it was just on the on the inspirational yeah. side. And so I think this is probably one that's going to get some people talking a little bit. It's mm-hmm. certainly going to shed a lot of light on the car. And what is what I found interesting when they were planning for this is we kept hearing that Highlander had to be the star of this commercial. Because yeah. it's really easy to just hire a celebrity like Kobe Smulders to come in and just be the Outshine. face. But then at the end, nobody knows what the ad's for. Right. Right? I think of the... Um, the Baker Mayfield ads for Progressive uh, that are running on every yeah. football game right now mm-hmm. or ran on every football game this season. And I really like those ads, but it wasn't until about the 20th time I saw it that, that you I remembered it was what a it was for. Mm-hmm. Um, for this, you know it's a Highlander. Okay. The Highlander is the star. And Kobe Smulders is just kind of the, the, um, <clears throat> the secret to the sauce a little bit. Mm. And so I, I really, looking at who they were. <sighs> Considering for that yeah. role, I really don't think they could have done better than Kobe. Well, you got to think that the uh, the people that are just becoming Highlander customers mm-hmm. probably grew up a lot of ways with How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, How I Met Your Mother, which Kobe was a star of. How I Met Your Mother re- probably is kind of that that piece of popular culture for people. Um, that are maybe in their early 30s right now that kind of told their stories. Now, I'm a little older, so mine's more like Friends and Seinfeld. I think How I Met Your Mother like spans yeah, spans exactly. an age group because people watch, like I watched, didn't watch it when it was on TV. Right, me either. Well, so, I did. I, I cut up in the But I mean, also because it was like seven seasons, eight seasons, nine, nine, nine seasons. seasons long. I mean, they caught a lot of people on either end oh, yeah. and then the whole like replay. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it makes sense that she was a, a great strategic pick for the, for the market they're trying to reach. And, I, and it's one of those things they, t- they talking to people about this earlier, who were going to pick for this role. Mm-hmm. And there were some names that were big names that yeah. I was like, oh, that'd be cool, that'd be cool, that'd be cool. And then when they told me it was Kobe Smulders, I did, I, you know, it's not one of those things where you're like, me, like, that's amazing. You're like, okay, I know who that is. And mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And then you start thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, this, not this only fits. is it Kobe Smulders, it should be Kobe Smulders. Yeah. And we have a lot of, I think we were talking with Mia, like we have a lot of standards when it comes to oh, yeah. who we let represent our brand. And so obviously she was a great fit. Mm-hmm. One thing real quick before yeah. we move on from her is that just being on set, I was lucky enough I got to interview her because we, some of our footage was mm-hmm. used for the behind the scenes stuff that yeah. Sachi sent out. Um, I have never in my life met a nicer person. That's awesome. It was, like I, I mean... It was like she, the, the last night of shooting in downtown LA, she had a coffee truck brought in for the entire production. So it's just like, well, I had a Thai latte, I believe. Or a chai, I'm sorry. I had a chai latte, I believe. Thank you. Thank you, Kobe Smulders, for that chai latte. Um, That's awesome. And she, we walked over to her trailer to do this interview and she came out, not, mm-hmm. not a representative. It was her. Yeah. And she's like, guys, it's really cold. Get in here. Yeah, oh, that's and nice. It's just three people that she's never met before. So. Yeah. yeah, solid pick. Okay, so 
I think a lot of people wonder sometimes, or when it comes to viewership, if something isn't like outlandishly funny or um, doesn't make people cry, people kind of view them as as like a flop or something. But that's not necessarily true when it comes to ads. Because again, like what you said, if you're selling a car, what you're trying to do is just bring awareness to what you're selling, which is obviously the end goal. So sometimes our sometimes for Toyota, we can be funny, we can be serious. What do you think? What's your opinion on like our vibe? And how do you think we handle each mode? Serious, funny. And what, it, what how did you feel about this ad? What's really interesting is that uh, we sat down and talked to Jack Hollis. Yeah. Who is the GM of, the market of Toyota. Toyota GM Division. Toyota Division. Mm-hmm. And Ed Laukas, who is the head of marketing. Yeah. Uh, they both talked about this philosophy that Toyota has about, about cheers and tears. Yep. That if you're going to make people feel something, you have to either make them laugh, make them cheer, or make them cry, or make them feel emotional. Yeah. Tears. Um, and it seems like Tony Harris last year, that was a tears ad. Yep. Um, but the super commercial was probably more of a cheers ad. So I th- this one really fits within the mold of what we are trying to do, trying to get those emotions. This was more of a funny ad, more of a comedy ad. Okay. And it was uh, just kind of really smart and really um, something that it's going to cause some of those emotions to come yeah. to the surface. And give you a good feeling about what this car is. So I thought they really did a great job of that. All right, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will hear from Dan again soon because he is doing a documentary. Do you want to give a little teaser on that? Yeah. So we asked the question, what happens between the reveal of a car and when it goes on sale or commercial happens. And so it just so happened when we were thinking about this idea that 2020 Highlander was becoming a thing. So we started in New York at the New York Auto Show in April and we kind of filmed uh, marketing, some manufacturing in Indiana and um, and some of our dealers just to see what kind of goes on behind the scenes of getting this car to the customers. So we should be seeing that in March and we're really excited. We have a lot of work yet to do, but I think we're getting some really good stuff. Awesome. Becoming Highlander, coming soon. Yes. Thanks, Dan. Next, we get the behind the scenes story of the creation of our ad. This is a great example of the untold part of Toyota Untold because we're really taking you behind the scenes of why we do what we do as a brand and really how we do it. So after months of top secret work on the spot, The creative process behind it can now be told. So we welcome John Payne, Executive Creative Director for Saatchi and Saatchi and leader of the team that created our ad. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Toyota Untold. It is Monday morning, the day after the big game. I hope everyone is feeling well. We, of course, are going to talk about it because we had a commercial in-game last night that you hopefully saw. And if you didn't, don't worry. Just keep tuning in because we will hear about it. Because today, we have Executive Creative Director of Saatchi & Saatchi, John Payne, with us, who was one of the many hands involved in making sure that this commercial was amazing. It was a roller coaster of emotions, happy ones, dramatic-filled ones. And he led the team that got this spot in the game. Welcome, John. Thanks. It's great to be here. Let's talk about the spot. So for people who don't watch football, didn't see the game, or who maybe have a few too many beverages and missed the spot, tell us, give us an overview of the spot. Okay. Well, it, it's, a, it's a really simple story, mm-hmm. but it's complex because it's like, it's like a 
four-part play. Yeah. But the crux of the story is there's a, a hero. In this case, it's Kobe Smulders. Mm-hmm. And she's in the Highlander. They all-wheel drive Highlander. And she's going around scooping up heroes who are left behind. Mm-hmm. And then Kobe Smulders comes wheeling up and very nonchalantly, she says, well, I got room. Hop yeah. in. Jump in. And that, that, uh, that trope, that setup repeats itself, you know, three more times mm-hmm. before we get to the end. And it gets more and more outrageous. And then at the end, it kind of brings it all back down to earth when she pulls up and finds her son on the sidewalk in the rain. And his, his friends had just left him. You know, oh, no. they, they, they all piled into the taxi cab and there wasn't room for poor Brian. Oh, no. But luckily, Kobe pulls up and saves the day again and, and he gets and and that's the end of the story. So it's a really simple story, but it's uh, it's four vignettes all strung together. So it, it it makes a pretty long script, but the idea is really simple. Comedy, drama, emotional. What, what, what did you want people to take away? That's funny because, you know, Sometimes we make a conscious decision like, okay, we're going to go for funny or mm-hmm. we're going to go for emotional you know, or we're going to go for cool. And this one, it was really fun because we got to mix comedy and drama. Mm-hmm. It's like the classic uh, masks of yep. drama and comedy. And we literally did combine the two because we're setting up this really intense emotional situation where you, know, you think this, this person is doomed. And then when Kobe comes wheeling in with her, with her all-wheel drive three-row Highlander and, and, and rolls the window down and says, hey, I got room, hop in. Mm-hmm. She kind of takes the, she deflates the balloon and you get a big comic relief. Right. So, you know, the drama and the comedy are really working together in this. So we didn't have to choose on this one. We, 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 we got both. That's awesome. Talk about the shoot, the process and having Kobe on like on set. And what is that like? Is it pretty chill? Is it like paint us a picture of what shooting a commercial, a Super Bowl commercial looks like? Well, shooting any commercial is is more than most people imagine. I think people mm-hmm. see a commercial on TV and they think, oh, well, they probably shot that last week. Right. But it's so much more involved than that. There's so many, so many people, you know, you show up on set and there's hundreds of people, there, mm-hmm. you know, as you got lighting crews, and camera crews. And- Grips. Grips and set designers and artists and makeup people and trailers. And so it was the typical kind of three ring circus when we showed up out there. Talk to us about kind of the arc of making a spot. Hmm. It's, it's, it is an art form, that's for sure. And it's, it, it takes much longer than anyone thinks. How long? We start working on it probably six to eight months before the actual game. Okay. Um, and it all starts with a brief, you know, the strategists, they go out in the field and they talk to the people who are in the market mm-hmm. for a three row SUV and they come back with all kinds of consumer insights. And we sort through those insights and find the one that we think is going to resonate the best. Mm-hmm. And from there, the creative team takes that insight and we start writing stories. Yeah. You know, and usually it's a, it's a pretty big group of creatives that sit down with it in the beginning. You know, there might be 25, 30 people yeah. that, that start the work. But over time, you know, it takes months to crack it. You know, as the weeks and the months go by, people drop off. They lose interest. You right. know, that everyone starts off with this, you know, great enthusiasm. But then reality sets in and yeah. you realize how hard it is to, to crack it. And 
people drop off. Yeah. And usually it ends up at the end of the day, there's one team that came up with the idea. And so it starts off really broad. Mm -hmm. It narrows down and then it gets really broad again. It's almost like an hourglass shape. Interesting. Because once 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 you get that one idea, then you can bring in the whole army of people to help you bring it to life. You're not like one spot. You have to deal with the fact that this is going to set the tone and the stage for the vehicle marketing moving forward for a next generation 2020 Highlander. Was it hard to kind of make sure that this did the right thing to do for a whole marketing campaign following it? It's not just one spot. Right. Yeah, that was a big challenge because it's a 60. But it wasn't just a one-off, let's entertain, make a, make a, a point and get out of there. Mm-hmm. This, had to, this had to set up the whole Highlander launch that's going to follow it. So that added a lot more pressure because it, it, it had to set the, set the stage for all the work that's going to come after it. And, and that, that's one of the big reasons that this idea was chosen is because it does fit with the whole campaign so well. Mm-hmm. It really does set it up in a big way. And did your previous Highlander knowledge help you in that? Yeah, because the I, I shouldn't say they haven't changed because they do change. They always change. Right. And, you know, every five years that, you know, that generation or that group moves into another life stage mm-hmm. and, the, and the one coming in behind it is slightly different. And soon they're in land cruisers driving around. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> But there are some commonalities, you know right. what I mean? And the, yeah, it did help being familiar with the product, with the with the the needs and the wants of the consumer that's considering it. Now, did you work on the campaign work as well? Or is it more of a handoff to a team that worked on just the campaign? No, I'm, I'm working on the whole... The whole shebang. The whole shebang, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think it's important to have someone that that has line of sight over the whole campaign because otherwise you you do run the risk of the spot kind of being a one-off being a tangent and then the campaign going in another direction so it was up to me to bridge that gap right and make sure that they were consistent can you tell us about the marketing campaign any preview of what people will see after today february 3rd 2020 what will people see forward from highlander the 2020 highlander yeah, I mean the the strategy that we're following is the same strategy that we're following for the campaign. And it's all based on that consumer insight that people who are in the market for Highlander are typically the ringleaders, you know, they're the ones at the center, they're the ones that pull people together. When you're gonna meet up at somebody's house, it's usually their house. Mm-hmm. That's the type of person that we're going after mm-hmm. and celebrating. And the rest of the campaign does does the same thing, but we're telling unique stories for each one. So you're going to see a whole variety of communications out there from TV, print, digital, social. And the the nice thing is, is you're getting it in all the different uh, markets, Mm -hmm. whether it be a Hispanic market, Asian, Indian market, African-American, or in the transcultural mainstream, which is what we're working on. We all work together on this campaign. So when you look at the whole body of work, it has a consistency to it and it's all it's all delivering the same message but it's doing it in a unique way that fits with those different markets interesting so when you look at taking something like a 60 second commercial and now we know that people in social as they're scrolling can really take about a 6 second piece of content how do you cut and how do you take a 60 second story 
And maybe, you know, that essence of the campaign for Highlander that you mentioned, maybe it's not the exact spot, you know, exactly. How do you cut that for six seconds? Well, it's not always possible. Right. To take something that that requires 60 seconds and then tell that same story in six seconds. Mm -hmm. We were able to condense this down into 15 seconds. Okay. And you will see that. But usually when it comes to a six second piece of content, yeah. it's 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 gonna be just a sliver of the story. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of times we don't have audio either. So it's just visual. So there's no dialogue, there's no music. Right. So it has to it has to work on a mobile device when someone's got the volume turned all the way down. Yeah. Uh, While they're is, sitting next to their sleeping significant other. Right. <laughs> right. And distracted by probably a laptop that's that's sitting there too, open yeah. or a tablet. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I am guilty. Um, But it might be like the places are the same, right? The snowy adventure area. And but it's more about the product, right? The focus becomes less about the story and more about about the product. product. Yeah. Yeah. And we have content that's built specifically for that medium too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the short format, no audio. Yeah. It's all part of the same campaign. It'll have the same message. But we're not trying to tell that big, complicated story that we told in 60 seconds in a six-second format. Right. That's it for our special look at the art of the ad, big game style at Toyota Untold. We can't wait to see what the team comes up with next year. Our show is produced by Allison Powell, and the music you're rocking out to is by Wes Meixner. We're edited and mixed by Crate Media. Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoy our podcast, please give us your feedback. Hit subscribe, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and email us your comments at podcast at toyota.com. And again, if you want to talk to Tyler specifically on social media, make sure you tag at Toyota on Twitter and Facebook and at Toyota USA on Instagram. Until next time, see you later.